Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Amen. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, absolutely. Well, they say that this is the happiest time of the year. And I am so excited to be here with you to open uh, God's word with you. And um, the staff here and the family here is always so warm and welcoming. And I'm so excited about what's happening in your church growth and expansion wise. You've guys got something great going on at 4 p.m. today. So just give yourselves a hand for being part of such an amazing church. Really, last time I was here, y'all packing backpacks and sending them to Haiti and raising the dead, uh, deaf ears here, blind eyes see, hallelujah, amen. Amen, amen. I'm especially glad to be here because it was 28 degrees when I left home and it's not 28 degrees here. Um, well, listen, Christmas is one of my most favorite times of year uh, because of many reasons, uh, some of which being turkey, dressing, cranberry sauce, macaroni and cheese, sweet potato pie, and all of those things like that. But uh, you may have heard me share before, I'm an Air Force veteran, so uh, thank you, thank you, yeah. I've just spent a lot of time away from home. Uh, I was so young when I joined the Air Force that I was 17. My mom actually had to sign the papers with me, okay, because I was still 17, and then I left after my 18th birthday. So I was deployed to Operation Northern Watch in Turkey, Operation Enduring Freedom in Qatar, and I was in the sand, but I was not at the beach, if you know what I mean. And uh, so I've just spent a lot of time away from home, then went back home for a little while and then I got hired by Moody in Chicago and that's when I moved to Chicago in 2013, met my wife and it's been a really good look there and um, I've just spent a lot of time away from home and so Christmas is that one time of year that I know for certain I am going home. I've only missed one Christmas in my entire life at home and that was when I was deployed to Operation Northern Watch in Turkey. And so uh, this Christmas, we're beginning a series here at the Springs called Home for Christmas. Well, it's that time of year when homes are going through transformations all over the country. Uh, your home may smell a little different because you pulled out some candles that you wouldn't normally burn during the rest of the times of year and decorations are going up and uh, the hunt for recipes is on as the menus are being prepared. And one of the most watched shows right now on YouTube and live TV is actually cooking shows. Because if you want to level up your cooking game, you're going to have a house full of people, you watch someone do it who's better than you, amen? But the problem with these cooking shows is simply this. They make it look easy. I mean, you've got, if it's a female host, her hair, makeup, and nails is flawless, and she don't look like she's been cooking to me, okay? If it's a guy, he has on a shirt that's way too nice to be in the kitchen cooking, and they take this, this raw, uncooked food and pop it in the oven, 
And then they're sitting there drinking their holiday drinks and laughing and talking, looking amazing, lights, camera, action, everything in the right place. And then like eight minutes later, they pull out this meal and the camera goes and every garnish is in the right place. The grill markings are in the right place. All of the decorations are in the right place. Shake your head if you know it doesn't work like that. That's not how cooking works. If, if you've cooked even one time in your life, you know that you don't just pop it in the oven and then it comes out looking like a masterpiece. It just doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, because it's so hard, there's a new trend. I saw it on, on, on Good Morning America, so I know it's the truth. Um, <laughs> where people are buying casseroles and putting them in their own Pyrex and taking it like they bought it. Now, I know none of you good Christians do that, that's fine. But it's hard. Because if you cooked even one time, you know that it doesn't work that way. Behind the scenes, there was deliberate planning and presentation to bring this beautiful masterpiece to plan. And this was the case for the birth of Jesus. Not one detail is wasted. Not one detail is without significance. So if you would, come with me. Let us go behind the scenes of the first Christmas. Luke 2, 1 through 7 is where we'll focus our attention. And it says, now in those days... A decree, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now this Bible passage starts with the words, now in those days. And one translation says, and it came to pass. And anytime the Bible says, and it came to pass, is to let you and I know that this actually came to pass. This is very different from the language of a novel that says, in a land far, far away. This is very different from the language uh, in a story that says, once upon a time. You see, the writer is letting you and I know that he is chronicling a very specific event. And the specificity of listing people and positions has a purpose. And here it is, the purpose is to prove that this is the truth and not a tale. If this were written today, we'd say Luke got receipts, y'all. He's being very specific. 
Because out of all of the historical events that have ever happened, out of all of the sporting events, the World Series and the Super Bowls, and out of all of the worlds and out of, out of all of the things that have happened like 9-11, if there's three events that you and I can be certain actually happened, that was the birth, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Luke is letting us know Jesus was absolutely positively born and there's record of it. This is what we call the incarnation of God. It's just a fancy word to say that God became flesh. He was fully God and fully man all at the same time. And right when Jesus was about to be born, something happens. Bible says that Caesar Augustus sends out a decree that there needs to be a census taken for the purposes of taxes. And Joseph found himself standing in the tension of something that is ordered at an odd time. Do you hear me today? Is this not an example of the Christian life? Because if everything that God allowed in our lives made sense, then walking and following God would be easy. But how many of you can say this morning, there are some times that things happen at the most inopportune uh, times and it just doesn't make sense. You've got a house full of people coming over for Christmas and your air condition breaks. Or you got a house full of people and your teenager is teenaging. Maybe it's something more serious. Everyone's getting ready to travel and get on the road to go home for Christmas and you got an undesirable diagnosis. It's hard, but never pay more attention to your problems than you do his promise. We can get so nearsighted that we miss the farsighted promises of God. I think a perfect illustration is last night, my wife's in Chicago, I'm here. We were watching the game on the phone together. Uh, go blue, amen, amen, because Christians uh, go for Michigan. Now, <laughs> definitely not Ohio State, dear Lord. Uh. <laughs> but they were playing Purdue. And, and we were on the phone last night and I would go, yes! And she would go, what? And I'm like, you didn't see that play? And she's like, no. And then five minutes later, five seconds later, she would go, oh, yes! And I'd be like, what? And she was like, I think you're ahead of me. I think there's a delay between reality and what's taking place. There's a delay between when the play is called and when I'm seeing it come to pass. And a lot of times in our Christian walk with God, that's how following Christ is. He knows the play. He has the playbook. He knows what he's going to call. But when the reality comes to pass in our eyes, it's after he's seen it. That's what it's like. See, there are a few complications or items of significance in this passage. One, Mary is pregnant and the census will require them to travel over 80 miles. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like the travel home for Christmas that I would want to do. So for Joseph, the call to be counted was a call to go home because he had to go and register for the census each to his own city, as we saw. 
because home is where you would register for the census. But what was so urgent about this? Why would Joseph put Mary through such an arduous journey? You see, the law didn't even require Joseph to bring Mary to register. He could have done it on his own. It was likely that he didn't want to leave her because she was pregnant and almost due. But what about this? The, the next complication that we see here, uh, uh, there is no suitable room for birthing or bedding. So when Jesus is born, he's placed in a feeding trough. It's, it's a place where animals feed. And this is odd because kings should not lay in mangers. Kings, we would think would have commendations befitting a royalty. Or how about the fact that she wraps him in swaddling clothes or strips of cloth? This was not uncommon to swaddle babies, but royalty? Royalty would not be dressed in leftover fabric. Everything about the birth of Jesus was odd, but it was actually ordered by God. I believe this is one of the things that you and I will always have most in common with Jesus. Because the Bible says that you and I, we're a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Do you know what that word peculiar really means? We're just odd, y'all. We're odd. We don't, we don't, we don't follow the, the crowd. We don't, we don't fit in. We are uh, ambassadors here on earth of another place. We're set apart for a specific purpose. And here it is to build his glory for his kingdom, to build his kingdom for his glory. Can you say amen? amen. So that means that not everything is always gonna look the way that it would seem that it would look. You see, a king born in a place for animals doesn't look like a king, does it? It's odd, but it's ordered. And we'll see in, the, in this text that the same God that orders promise uses problems. And there's a reason why each of these things happen during the birth of Jesus, the same way that everything in our life has significance and meaning. Joseph bringing Mary along on the journey was more than just a concern for her health. So why did they need to make this journey before the birth of Jesus? It's because Jesus would be born while they were there. And Jesus was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem. So Mary traveled over 80 miles while pregnant to complete a census that she didn't really have to be present for. It was odd, but it was ordered by God. Or how about the fact that there's no room for Jesus? God in his infinite wisdom had Caesar uh, decree a census so that Mary and Joseph would end up in Bethlehem, right? So Jesus would be born there and prophecy would be fulfilled. And God does all of that and he forgets they need a place to stay? Not a chance, not a chance. Can you imagine God sends the Holy Spirit to the Virgin Mary, picks her out, decides that she's gonna carry his baby, okay? Then he sends the Holy Spirit to Joseph to explain all of this because let's be honest, wives, you've had to explain something to your husband before, one of which have never been being pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
So, so glad God in his wisdom said, let me send an angel to talk to Joseph because this is going to be rough. The baby ain't yours. Okay. Mario was preaching. He said, you are not the father. Then he sends him on a journey and then he, he, he has Caesar Augustus to decree the census and then they travel 80 miles while she's pregnant and then they end up in Bethlehem so all of these years of prophecies can be fulfilled and God forgot the book of my hotel room? No. No. You see, there's a message here that I believe that God really wants you and I to receive. There will be times in the Christian walk where we feel like God simply forgot. There will be times where we feel like he's asleep. There will be times where we feel like, whose child am I? There will be times where we feel like, man, he's brought me this far, where is the next step? You see, the old saints would sing this song that says, I don't believe you brought me this far to leave me. Do you know why they sang that song? It's because there were times when they had feelings like they had been left. And this is why our promise always deserves more focus than our problems. Because Jesus faced an overcrowded inn with no place to lay his head. And even today, he faces overcrowded hearts. There's little room in our hearts because of the responsibilities that we have. There's little room in our hearts because of the cares that we have or the schedules that we have to keep or the deadlines that we have to make. Maybe there's little room in our hearts because our focus is on our problems more than it is his promise. But how many times have you and I experienced divine obstacles or hurdles or divine interruptions so that God can get us to the place where he needs us to be only for us to view them as an inconvenience? See, Mary likely did not want to go to Bethlehem, but she needed to be there and didn't know why. Can I just throw my anchor overboard right there for a second? Following God means that he, we go where he sends us and we're okay if we don't know why. Following God means that we break up with that guy because the Lord told us to and we don't know why. Oh, but I got to show up to a Christmas single. Following God <laughs> means that we cut off ties. We, we, we put away habits. We, we follow him no matter what, even when we don't know why. Do you understand that the need to know why is like the, the clay trying to understand the potter? Who understands why he subtracts on this side and he adds on this side? Who understands why he spins us around or he wets us or dries us off? The clay will never understand the potter. Following God means that we go where he sends and we're okay with not knowing why because where he leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides. And where he directs, he protects. Rest assured, God doesn't forget. You know, one of my favorite dishes to eat during this time of year uh, is a good casserole. Can you wave your hand if you like a good casserole in here? 
Uh, but I actually Googled the origins of casseroles because I have nothing better else to do. And I'm a preacher and I want to know what I'm talking about. I was surprised that casseroles became popular in this country during the Great Depression and the World Wars. That they would put some vegetables and some starches and a little bit of meat that they had and put it together to make the meal more filling. So then a casserole is something we enjoy today and we probably put ungodly amounts of meat and cheese and cream and all kind of stuff in it. But it was actually originally a meal of hard times. Do you, do you understand that, that God has the recipe to our life? And some of the best casseroles I've ever had were, were made of ingredients of other meals that were prepared at different times. It's, it's you taking a little bit of this and putting it with a little bit of that. And, and, and God understands the recipe to our lives. You know that a bread pudding, all that is, is a beautiful mess. I mean, if I told you I want to serve you some soggy bread, you say, no, absolutely not. Well, glory to God, you pop that thing in the oven and pour some caramel, drizzle all over it, and you've got you a masterpiece. This casserole, this from hard times, throwing a little bit of that into a little bit of this and putting it all together. Could it be that that's what God is doing with each of our lives? There are things that happen at different places and at different points and at different times that we may not always understand. But he, when he puts, a, puts it together, we have to remember that if it's not good, God's not done. God holds the recipe for our life. And he's putting it all together. But here's the challenge that you and I have. Watch this. Watch this. When he blesses you, when he delivers you, when he brings you out, don't put his casserole in your pan. You tell the world, I am not the reason I have joy. I am not the reason I have peace. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. All of these order problems give a prophetic insight into what is to come. And this is seen in Luke chapter 9, verse 58. It says, And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, this is not a hard passage to figure out at all. Clearly, I am on this stage speaking to you right now, and if I didn't have a head, you wouldn't be in this room listening to this message. Can you say amen? Bodies should have a head. A head should have a body, all right? This is in the Adams family. So watch this. The Bible says that Jesus faced, or communicates that Jesus faced overcrowded hearts. They couldn't find a spot for Jesus other than a cross. That's what they found for him. When he was born, you know what they found? They found uh, uh, an animal feeding trough. There was no room for him in the end. You see, the church is the body and Christ is the head of the church. And even today, he needs somewhere to lay his head. This is why each part of the body must be in place. This is why if the Lord is tugging at your heart today, and saying, listen, look, you, you've, been, you've been listening to messages, you've been reading a little something, but you've never stepped into a relationship with me. I'm just trying to tell you today that he needs somewhere to lay his head. 
that he is the head of the church and we are the body of Christ, uh, that every single part of the body must be in place. That's you and that's me. In verse four, it has some uh, very interesting language. It says that Joseph was of the house and the family of David. Joseph was of the house and the family of David. Have you ever visited someone's house and you can tell that you were in the house, but you weren't a part of the family? They had inside jokes going on and side conversations. And because you weren't there when those things took place, you had no clue what they were talking about. You see, this Christmas, you've been a part of the house here at the Church of the Springs, but today you can become a part of the family, even if you feel you don't belong. See, the Bible says that when Jesus was born, he was placed in a manger. And it's absurd to think that you would place a newborn in something that is made to feed animals. But as I was praying and, and, and preparing for this message, I believe God showed me something in this passage that I had never really seen. Here it is. I believe that God is communicating to us that Jesus has always been able to handle filthy places. That, that, that if you and I ever come to the place where we feel like we have to be afraid to invite him into the home of our heart because of what he might find, I need you to understand something today that whatever it is, he can handle that too. How many of us have family or friends and they say, listen, when I get myself together, I'll go to church or, or when I fix this, I'll become a Christian. How many of you know that none of us can do it and that's why we need Jesus? Hallelujah. Not a one of us can do it. It would be like saying, I need to get clean before I get in the shower. Whatever it is, he can handle that too. Here it is, I believe that God is telling us to deny the various problems that we have our focus and focus on his promise that says this, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ is born, bringing good news with great joy for all people. I want to invite you into a time of prayer right now. And I want us to just consider a few things as we close our eyes and bow our heads. What I am experiencing in my life may be odd, but what if it's ordered by God? And if so, I'm going to redirect my focus from my problems to his promise. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single one of these, your precious sons and daughters. Lord, I lift them up before you now. Thank you that we get to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus. Thank you that you stepped out of eternity into time. You clothed your divinity with our humanity and you did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You reconciled us to a holy God. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. But Father, I know that not everyone in here or watching online may know you. God, if they want to come to know you, it's as simple as sorry, thank you, please. Lord, I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. 
Thank you for dying in my place on the cross. Please be Lord over my life all the days of my life. In the matchless name of Jesus, can the church of God say together, amen. 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 God bless you, Springs. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.